Hello, and welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associates AudioCast newsletter. I'm your host, Dr. M, and this is volume 12, issue number 26, which corresponds with the date of June 13th of 2022. So today we're going to look at depression, critics, and school start times. But first, if you haven't had a chance to listen to podcast number 22 with Michael Gay, I highly encourage you to do it. Michael Gay is a deep thinker. I mean deep. And in this conversation, we dive off the deep end of the pool discussing men's health, therapy, and living an authentic, balanced life. Discussing the realities of men and their struggles in life was very refreshing in a world of often hidden truths. And I hope you really do enjoy my conversation with Michael Gay. This week, we're going to look at depression. So specifically in this case, we're going to talk about how depression has been a problem for humans for as long as humans have been on the earth, but it seems to be getting worse. It is a leading cause of suicide and lost vitality for life in this country. It is a tricky disease that has been more prevalent and severe especially in the last few decades and the last couple of years, the pandemic was not kind to people suffering from mood dysthymia. Traditional pharmacological and verbal-based therapies have been useful for some, while not so for others. The treatment-resistant group is the focus of a new series of studies with psychedelic medicines. These studies are offering hope for many individuals that previously had none. And in my hope, this will trickle all the way down to children, especially teenagers, who need help related to traumatic events, otherwise known as adverse childhood events, and the downstream problems related to them, including anxiety and depression. What is psilocybin? Spelled P-S-I-L-O-C-Y-B-I-N. Crazy spelling, but that's what it is. Well, psilocybin is a naturally occurring tryptamine chemical that is found in mushrooms. The molecule is converted to psilocin, P-S-I-L-O-C-I-N, in the body where it attaches to a serotonin 2A receptor in the brain, stimulating a response that we see as time-altered and mind-altered state of being. The effect occurs 20 to 30 minutes after ingestion and peaks a few hours in, leveling off over the next few hours. The total time of effect is usually a five to six hour period based on the dose. These compounds are not addicting and are considered very safe when the set and setting of their use is controlled for a pleasant and safe experience. The current legal use is restricted to study settings. These drugs have garnered a bad reputation based on an inappropriately perceived issue with use in the 1960s during a period of much social unrest. The truth about them as a biochemical molecule that the body has receptors for makes me think that we evolved with them even if culturally people have had issues with their use. The body doesn't lie. If we have receptors, there's a good reason for it. In a study from a recent conference, the study researchers found that a single dose of a synthetic formulation of psilocybin provides rapid improvement in treatment-resistant depression with benefits sustained for up to 12 weeks, according to the results from the largest randomized controlled st study of psilocybin to date. Quote, 
This is easily the largest study of psychedelic drug employing modern randomized controlled trial methodology at 22 sites in 10 countries. So it's not your typical phase two trial. End quote. The study's lead author, Guy M. Goodwin, MD, Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry at the University of Oxford in England, said in an interview. He also stated, importantly, 93% of the patients in the study were psychedelic naive, which is important for generalizability. This comes to us from Melville N. 2022, found in Medscape. A current meta-analysis that I found examined the effect of psilocybin in combination with behavioral interventions on anxiety and depression in samples with elevated symptoms. Across four studies, one uncontrolled, three randomized, placebo-controlled, within group pre- and post- and pre-follow-up effects on anxiety and depression were large and statistically significant. Across three placebo-controlled studies, pre-post-placebo-controlled effects were also large and significantly significant. No serious adverse effects were reported. Limitations include the smaller number of studies and risk of bias within studies. Results tentatively support future research on psilocybin for the treatment of anxiety and depression. This comes to us from Goldberg et al. 2021 in Psychiatry Research. So here, there was one key point there in this multi-study meta-analysis. No serious adverse events were reported. There is not a single pharmaceutical available on the market today for treatment of depression anxiety that can state no serious adverse events reported. So by definition right there, the Hippocratic Oath is met for do no harm. Now the question again remains, how much is the effect beneficial and over what period of time do we see this effect and is it sustained? And the research is starting to show we have some really good opportunity here for some more research to be done in younger ages over time, hopefully into the teenage range, to see if we can get some really good data that would have a new era ushered into medicine for treatment-resistant depression and major anxiety disorders. I think of all the patients with post-traumatic stress disorder, all the patients with adverse childhood events that lead to these depressive post-traumatic states, how much they could benefit from this therapy that is all natural. I mean, it's a mushroom. It's not like we're synthesizing anything here. This is incredible. The future for this type of therapy appears to be very bright now that we are past the stigma of the 60s hippie counterculture users that caused the government to restrict access. It really is time for us to start paying a lot of attention to this reality. Depression is a serious disease. Lots of suicide every year caused by major depressive disorder. If we could mitigate that major depression, even bring it to mild depression, preferably to no depression, what that would do to the suicide landscape, what that could potentially do to the aggressive gun-toting landscape. It's possible that that could stop some of these mass killings. Hypothetical, but boy, anything that results in improved mood stability can't do anything but help. So we'll follow this more and I'll keep my eye on it as the time goes on. Listen to the Adult Chair podcast, number 316 with Paul Austin, and or the Drive podcast, number 182 with David Nutt for a significantly deeper dive into these worlds specifically related to hallucinogenics. The Drive podcast with David Nutt goes quite deep. There was an excellent book out by Michael Pollan, the author and 
writer for many major news outlets on the topic of psilocybin, and he's called the book How to Change Your Mind. He is another excellent, excellent speaker, somebody I highly encourage you to listen to and follow. So, again, I'll keep an eye on that. Let's go to section two, critics. Why do we listen to them? Why do we give them the power to criticize? Why do we let them tell us right from wrong or what to like? Why do we let them break someone else down, especially when most critics have zero ability to do what they are criticizing? I've been pondering these questions lately as it relates to children and growing up. I think about the great book, The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand as a representation of criticism gone afoul. If you haven't read The Fountainhead, I highly encourage you to do so. It is long, 700 plus pages, but it is chock full of understanding about those that criticize and how much power we allow them to have in telling us what is good and what is not good. I am a firm believer that your decision-making process about what you like is far more powerful than anyone else's critical knowledge of what they like. I always find this fascinating when I watch the Oscars and other critical uh, events and the ones that they pick for the best sometimes align, often don't. It tends to be what they think is great. And frankly, a lot of the movies I don't like watching. I remember, I think it was seven years in Tibet got great reviews. To me, that felt like seven years in a movie theater, not my favorite. But that's me, just me, my opinion, not yours. You may love it. Amen. Go for it. No problem with that at all. I think critics get way too much power. I think of a recent example, like the movie that just came out, Top Gun Maverick, right? Here's an example of something that makes no sense to me. Roger Ebert, one of the preeminent critics for movies, recently stated, quote, at times, Kosinski seems to be reaching for an updated version of the sun-kissed, high-style, 80s aesthetic that, quote, Top Gun, so effortlessly and elegantly typified, what he comes up with is something bland and basic. Though you may otherwise hear, Top Gun Maverick is not a great movie. It is a thin, overstrenuous, and sometimes very enjoyable movie. Quote, ended. For me, that was a great movie. I started sitting in the back of my seat. By the end of the movie, I had barely any part of my body on the front of the seat as I was leaning forward watching the drama unfold that I thought was quite incredibly done. But again, that's just me. You may think otherwise, and that is great. You know, essentially... Who cares what I think? It only matters what you think, what your child thinks. Frankly, my parents didn't agree with a lot of things I liked, especially music. I didn't particularly agree with a lot of things they liked, especially music. And you know what? That's okay. My kids like music that I don't like. They like some of my music, but not a lot of the other music. And that's okay. Whatever they think is fine with me. And if enough people like it, then it has a reality of being good for those people. Okay, great. Opinions are just that. They're opinions. And you know, as long as I've been writing and talking, you know, I tell you, I have a lot of opinions. But they're that, my opinions. Some of them are hard fact-based truths for now, but that could change tomorrow as data changes. And then those beliefs and the opinions and the theorems and the truths all can alter. I find that I want my children to only accept their own final opinion on a topic or a choice. They can gather data and opinion anywhere, 
and way they want. They should listen. But in the end, the final feeling and decision should be theirs. I would add that they should hold their feelings about things, ideals, and anything loosely. Time changes how we see, feel, and own things. And you know what? That's okay. To me, critics add very little to life and often take away much, especially from people who are struggling. I find sports critics to be especially onerous. When a sports person is struggling in their life, the critics are unrelenting in taking that person down. I find that just completely unacceptable. And again, it begs the question, why do we allow them to do this? Person makes a mistake. We should honor the fact that they're coming back from the mistake, trying really hard to be better, not criticize, not tear them down. I think about my kids, right? How do we approach them when they don't do well? Is failure the end? No, failure is a stepping stone. I'm here for you, buddy. Let's see what the next step looks like. How do we get better? What can we do to improve? Critics should be doing the same, not tearing people down. America seems to have gotten more into the teardown state, less into the build-up state. Not a big fan. Negativity sells. Social media negativity sells. Critics sell. I'm unfortunately done with a lot of this stuff for those exact reasons. Okay, section three, school starts. School start times. Boy, that's a tongue twister. Say that three times fast. School start time. School start time. Yeah, whatever. Starting school later leads to better overall sleep quality and quantity coupled to improved mood and scholastic outcomes. From a study in the journal Pediatrics, quote, specifically, new SSTs between 8.30 and 8.59 were associated with better outcomes than starting school at 8 a.m. or 8.29. Later school start times, SSTs, were more strongly associated with lower levels of sleepiness for high school versus middle school youth and youth in private versus public schools reported better sleep and later wake times with later school start times. Although this meta-analysis suggests an overall benefit of later school start times, there was limited research to test outcomes such as sleep hygiene, naps, and behavioral and physical health outcomes. Yin et al. 2022. That was published in Pediatrics again. So for me, when I think of kids in school, I find that I get very frustrated with a lack of effort put towards maximizing their long-term success. Starting school later makes complete sense to help these kids achieve in school and therefore in life. Having clean and fresh air in the classroom will help cognitive function. Been looked at, studied, makes complete sense and the data shows that that's true. Providing nourishing foods during mealtime is a necessary path to low inflammation and a healthy mind. I have Bonnie Kaplan coming up pretty soon on the podcast so we're going to be looking at how food affects brain activity, specifically mood disorders. And what are those biochemical events occurring that are related to inflammation and neurotransmitter function? These are big things. Food is big in this space and micronutrients. Right, So it makes sense that sleep, covered by Matthew Walker ad nauseum in his book, really says, you know, adequate sleep helps the brain work, helps the brain clean itself, helps the brain do so many things. Not to mention being tired makes you less likely to focus just from fatigue, let alone actual neurotransmitter and cognitive activity from the neurons. I mean, all of this stuff plays in. So for me, for the kids, this is simple. Let's move start times if we can to make it such that kids have better opportunity to get 
their selves prepared for school. This week's song was Five for Fighting's 100 Years. Give it a listen. It's a great, great song. And with that, that's the end of Volume 12, Issue Number 26 of the Salisbury Pediatric Associate Newsletter Audiocast. Remember to hug those kids. Have a great day. The information provided in this newsletter is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice and treatment provided by your physician or other healthcare professional and is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue and does not constitute the formation of the provider and patient relationship.